Well, welcome everyone to the inaugural podcast for the Peach State Tailgate Sportscast. We are out here. I'm joined by my co-host here, Jake Hewell. Um, we're excited to be here, man. We've uh, we've been talking about this for a while, going over a couple things, uh, what we'd like to do, what we'd like to see happen, and you know, I'm pumped to be here. I know Jake is as well. So we look forward to bringing you guys some sports content. We're based out of Atlanta, just south of it, born and raised. So we're you know diehard Atlanta sports fans, Georgia sports fans. So we're really going to dial into some pro sports, some college sports. Um, you know, primarily SEC football, and then dial it into uh, you know NFL as well. Talk about some some NBA, MLB. We got the trade deadline coming up, so we're looking forward to bringing you guys some content coming up here in the future. And um, yeah, Jake, that is what you call an introduction, right there, Kenny. I must say to start everything, I'm going to compliment that mustache because it looks fantastic, sir. Going to get that sir, out the way. You. As Kenny was saying, uh, just some two young guys from Georgia, south south of Atlanta, uh, big sports fans. It's what we do, so we figured we get a little show started and you know spread our knowledge out. Kenny, let's go ahead and get it started. What do you want to talk about first, man? I think we'd be remiss if we didn't start off by hammering some uh, so some congratulations, I should say, to uh, not only Austin Riley, but to the Braves organization and Braves fans everywhere. We got our third baseman, and uh, we're going to see him for the next decade. Big money, thick country. Austin Riley goes out there and gets a 10-year, $212 million deal? Somewhere around that guy. 212, 10 years. That is a nice little pay raise for the, I want to say, Tennessee-born third baseman. Uh, putting up big numbers this year, highly deserved, and uh, congratulations to them for sure. I think I saw earlier today that he's, uh, he's second in the NL MVP race behind Goldie right now. So um, some people have him, you know, flip-flop second and third with uh, Arenado, but, you know, I mean, Austin Riley, to me, and I'm a Braves fan, so I am biased. But it's clearly the best third baseman in the, at least in the National League, arguably the entire MLB right now. So uh, you know, much deserved to him. Congratulations, and man, I can't wait to watch this guy play for another decade. Oh yeah, for sure. And I, I can only agree, man. Uh, you talk about guys like Machado and Arenado. I think that Riley, in my opinion, I think Riley has securely jumped both of those guys in the National League as the best third baseman. The only guy. This year that I have a little bit of a debate with is uh, Raphael Devers. What he's doing in Boston right now is insane. He is, yeah, he is he's putting a, up some numbers. He's a beast. He's obviously nuts. And Devers has been doing it for a long time. Um, another thing with Riley that not a lot of people talk about, and I believe, you know, truthfully should get a little bit more press is, I mean, the dude's only 25 years old. Like, it was what? Was it 2019, I think, when uh, the Braves were putting that trade package together to try and get uh, JT Real Muto? <laughs> And Austin Riley was the only <laughs> Austin Riley was the only player that we involved in the package, and they turned it down. God, could you imagine the former days, man? We had so many times we had like rumored trades for Sony Gray and Chris Archer, and oh you could imagine like gosh. the guys that are on the roster right now that we would have to give up to acquire those guys back in like 2019, 2018 days. It was crazy. Yeah. Everybody was always crying for a number one starter, and all of a sudden we have guys like we have a Max Freed coming up. We have all these guys just you know doing what they do in the major leagues, Sean out. It's crazy. And you look at where we are today and yeah, is the farm system depleted for sure. But I was, you know, talking with a buddy of mine early today. And I mean, the question is the Braves are, have been notorious for the past, however many years of having a top farm system producing top guys. And the question remains, well, what happened? What happened to the Braves farm system? Uh, well, I'll tell you what happened. Uh, look at the world series ring last year. That's what happened. <laughs> Listen, Let's look at these guys. Uh, Acuna, drafted. Ozzy, drafted. Dansby, trade for. 
after, right after the draft. Um, Austin Riley came up through the farm system. Um, Michael Harris just called up, hometown boy. Um, look at him tearing up in the big league. So it's like, you know, what happened to that farm system? Well, they're uh, killing it in the big leagues right now and uh, got a World Series ring to show for it. So that just goes to show, man. I don't think uh, – is the farm system depleted? Yeah, sure, but for good reason. And it's funny that you bring that up because that kind of brings us into our next co- next topic of conversation, I should say. We're talking about guys that were already here for the World Series run, but let's go ahead and discuss the guys that you know we made the trades for last year at the deadline that were so influential in winning a World Series last year. The Ed Rosarios, the Adam Duvalls, the Jorge Solers, uh, Jock Peterson, Richard Rodriguez even. Um, you know, last year when we made all those deals at the deadline, we – didn't have to give up much prospect capital to bring all those guys in, and they all played huge parts in the World Series run. No, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, you think of those top three guys that you just mentioned between Jock, Eddie, and and Jorge. I mean, Jock pretty much was our front man through the entire NLDS. Um, Eddie, NLCS MVP, right? NLCS. Oh yeah, NLCS. And then Jorge, you know, hit a moonshot in the World Series, World Series MVP. I mean, three guys who. I know we still got Eddie. You know he's coming back from that from that crazy eye situation, that surgery that he had. But you talk about Jock Peterson and Jorge Soler, man. I mean, not only is Jorge Soler playing for a division rival with the Marlins, but I mean he'll forever be known as a Braves legend. I mean Jock Peterson, dude's got a freaking pearl put in the World Series ring for a guy that <laughs> came in, a guy that came in and changed up our entire lineup, changed up the entire morale of the team. Fan base got behind him out there rocking his pearls, and it just really was there through the postseason run. And, I mean, those guys are forever going to be etched in Braves history as legends. I mean, it, it doesn't matter who you play for, whether it's a division rival or, you know, cross league like, like Jock is with the Giants right now. I mean, anytime we face up against those guys, they come to Atlanta, whatever. I mean, you're going to see standing ovations. You're going to see fans going nuts. So, you know. I'm very, very thankful for that, and you know that just goes to show, man. Um, I think it all comes back to AA, and he, and in my opinion, is is just. I mean, he's the best GM in all of baseball, and I have so much faith in him that you know. I mean, we're sitting here a day before the trade deadline ends. All these crazy trades are going through right now, and I, I still think we're gonna make a run at, at somebody, if not multiple. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, we look at what AA did last year, like we just discussed, and. You trade guys like a Bryce Wilson and Alex Jackson, guys that were either like fringe prospects that already had major league time and never panned out in the big leagues. And you look at the roster right now, the minor league, the farm system down there. You have guys like you have guys like a Tucker Davidson or a Bryce Elder down there. You you'd be happy to ship off for any of the guys out there on the market. I mean, the pitching the pitching rotation Absolutely. is fine. So you have guys like Cal Muller and. Just all the pitching prospects, we'd be perfectly fine shipping some of those guys off. We're just so deep in that category. Right. I mean, we're just, even at the major league level, we're, we're so young, you know, between Ian, Spencer, you know, you got Freed, you got Kyle Wright up there. You know, we got Chuck out there dealing. He's really coming to Chuck, yay. So, I mean, you know, we got, we got the veterans, but we got young guys everywhere, man. We just went out and drafted, what, two, three more pitchers. We, we, got, we got guys that are all over the farm and all over the major league system that, you know, super young. So I, I still think the future's bright. You know, it all comes back to that depleted farm system. But like you just said, man, we got the Bryce Elders, we got the Kyle Mullers, we got guys like that. So you're, you still got the potential, the, the, the prospects to make a trade, to make a deal if you needed to make a deal. And also, um, you know, I, I don't think we're, we're hurting in the, in the pitching department. You know, sadly, uh, we can't include the longtime Brave prospect, Tuki, Tuki Toussaint, in that category anymore. He's, he's in uh, L.A. right now, and he's actually pitching. He actually, I actually saw a video on Twitter the other day. He threw a nasty curveball to strike a batter out the other day. Good to see. 
Yeah, man, love Tukey. Braves legend. That uh, when when he was departing the Braves, he posted. I think it was on Instagram or Twitter, whatever it was. That long story about what the Braves mean to him and everything, man. That that'll get you as a Braves fan, even for a guy that came up and you know he had so much hype around him. I know he didn't have the best success, but man, he was exciting to see, and um, you know we'll forever be thankful for him. Oh, for sure. Uh, so first off, well, not first anymore, but would you like to hop into our top five? targets at the deadline for the Atlanta Braves or would you like to discuss the moves that have already happened around the league what would, what would you like to go into first Ken it's all you yeah I'm good with either one um I, I'll tell you what let's go ahead and dive into to guys we'd like to see the Braves make a run at because I, I know on my list there's a there's a at least one um that has already been spoken for so let's go ahead and hit on those oh yeah yeah before time runs out we're gonna go do a timestamp. right now it is 9 27 p.m august 1st so at the time you're listening to this some things might have changed and our list might be completely invalid but we're gonna hope that the braves land some of these guys obviously because this is our top five list and uh let's go ahead and start off kenny go ahead and give me your number five uh number five for me um I'll tell you what, I actually had number five on my list is Tommy Pham. Uh, you just saw the news come through for us about, was it an hour and a half, two hours ago? Tommy Pham came through, um, said that they were trading him and that the destination was unknown. It later came out. It was, um, who, who was it that got him? Tommy Pham. Tommy Pham, I want to say, went to Boston. I, would, right. I yeah, believe he went to Sox. Boston. It was the Red Sox. So Tommy Pham is a guy that I had on my list, man. Um, and I don't have his stats in front of me. I actually took him off my list as soon as that went through. But... I mean, dude's having a career season. I know he's, I know he's a little bit older, um, but he, he's, he's the kind of guy you like to see come in, uh, especially for a contending team, come in and kind of give you that, that push, that kind of uh, veteran mentality, veteran experience, and um, you know, obviously, uh, he's been around the league for a while, but you know, still stud. So what, uh, what about you? Who's your number five? Okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna cover your Tommy Fam stuff a little bit because I do have the stats in front of me, and I, I will agree with you on the Tommy Fam aspect. I don't have Tommy Fam on my list, but I have a, there's, there's some spots on my list I listed two players because they're kind of similar players in my eyes, and I feel like Tommy Fam would fit right into my five category. Last year, or actually this year, Tommy Fam against lefties is hitting 290 with 371 on base percentage. 462 slugging that adds up for a 834 uh, OPS and if you're looking for a guy that can go out there and platoon with Eddie Rosario to hit against lefties every time we, they pitch a lefty I mean it, it you know that's a good guy to get for sure I mean I know he's covered for but I mean while we're on the topic might as well discuss him it's a good pickup for any team absolutely and he's going to give you you know solid defense um especially in our case he's going to give you you know that upside as opposed to Marcel Zuna out there in left field so um you know, it's just kind of you know another thing to think about, but no, I agree. Uh, so I think we had a little maybe maybe not an audio issue, but uh, is my audio still coming through fine? Yep, I hear you good. Perfect. Okay. Well, we're talking about fielding and defense. So the way that I am going to do this, uh, my number five spot, I'm actually going the same route. Um, at five for me, I put a mixture of Michael A. Taylor. And Ramon Liriano from the Oakland Athletics. I feel like both of those guys are guys you can platoon every day in left field. And the big thing I'm looking for for an outfielder is somebody that can play center field just in case something happens to Michael Harris. Because we look at it right now, Adam Duvall is done for the year. I don't know if they're comfortable putting Ronnie back in center. Who is the backup center fielder on the Atlanta Braves, not mentioning Guillermo Heredia? Like, who's going to play center on this team right now if something was to happen to Michael Harris? God forbid. I'll tell you who's going to play center for the Braves right now if something were to happen to Michael Harris. His name is Jock Peterson. <laughs> um, 
the Braves legend, obviously. We love Jock. Uh, everybody does. We just talked about it at the beginning of the podcast. Dude got a whole pearl in the World Series ring. Was with us for a total of, what, like 60 days? Yeah, I mean, thanks. Jock is, and I'm totally biased here, but, uh, and this is getting back to our list. Jock is number one on my list, man. I love him. He's just, he's a morale booster. The fans love him. He comes to town. Everyone goes nuts over Jock. If we traded for Jock right now, I think the battery would explode. I mean, you're talking about a guy who, he's a lefty hitter. He absolutely mashes righties. Um, and, and, you know, that goes back to what Snit was saying or what AA was were saying a couple weeks ago about, it was uh, prior to the, to the Duval injury. Okay. Um, saying that, uh, you know, we, we really were looking for a lefty bat, somebody to come in and give us that extra lefty bat. You saw us make the move for Robinson Cano. Um, you know, obviously that didn't work out. Man just got designated. But, it, um, you know, we, we made a couple moves to, to try and get that lefty bat in there. Uh, and here recently, since the Duval injury, we've, you know, heard them reference a couple times saying that we're also looking for another righty bat to come in and mash against lefties. But one thing I think is super underrated about the Braves is how we've hit lefties throughout this entire year, and the Braves really tear them up, man. I mean, there's a significant difference in plate appearances, you know, from righties to lefties, like, like very big. Oh, yeah. Um, but you look at the Braves right now, we've got a 787 OPS versus lefties. Um, I mean, the entire team is mashing. So I, I still think there's that upside of bringing a guy in like Jock. Jock, not only is he a morale booster, he can play center field. I mean, he's hitting 240. He's, he's you know, cooled off a little bit. Man was up there around 300. He's an all-star, obviously, 17 bombs, 800 OPS. Um, one thing about Jock that I will say is he's a free agent at the end of the season, so it's not like he's going to be some kind of long-term solution for you. But he's a guy that could definitely come in, make a big impact. I mean, we've seen what he can do through the postseason. He's got a 22% K rate. Um, you know, and, and honestly, compared to the Braves, I mean, you're looking at our top you know, upper echelon hitters. You got Dansby, you got Adam Duvall, you got Austin Riley, Matt Olson, even they're, you know, upwards of 25 to 30%. So, uh, Jock, you know, comes in there, he kind of fills that gap. So, I mean, he's number one on my list as a fan. I would love to see it. Um, I don't know what you think about that, but. Okay. So, uh, just, a, just a quick note on, uh, Michael A. Taylor. I wanted to say that Michael A. Taylor does have a 742 OPS for a guy like that. That's not expected to hit much. And he's actually, he's actually hitting good. The only thing with Michael A. Taylor. He's kind of a weird guy. Um, he's a righty, but his splits show he actually hits righties a lot better than lefties. He has a 763 OPS compared to a 696 OPS against lefties. Um, but, I mean, in the past 28 days, the guy's mashed. I mean, he's 703 OPS. I mean, to be fair, one home run. I mean, he's, he's not he's not a big power guy, but, I mean, the defense, the defense is great. Uh, I will say this. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. And I'll just touch on that too. I mean, you look at the Braves as a whole, man. We're what's I think it's second across the entire MLB in in home runs to the Yankees. And they've got Aaron Judge, who's out there rivaling Barry Bonds right now. So <laughs> yeah. But I mean, a, a guy, you know, you bring in a guy like that, and you'll see when we dive into more of our list. Um, I've got a couple guys on here that are, you know, batting average is batting average. You know, it's not something that a lot of people look at, but we're kind of in need of that guy, that 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 on base guy, that guy that's going to get you some singles, some doubles, some some good contact play. Not so much looking for the heavy home run hitter, the Joe Gallows of the world. Um, you know, we've we've kind of got that covered. But you know, and Michael A. Taylor, he's he's another, he's kind of a, an underrated guy, I would say, someone who's not been super uh, talked about as far as this free agency run's been going, or not free agency, but um, trade deadline run's been going, and when AA mentioned him, I saw a lot of Braves fans were kind of like, what? You know, what? who's this guy? I mean, dude's a stud. He plays great defense. He's a contact hitter. Um, I think he can fit really good on the Braves, so I definitely think, um, you know, you having him on your list is, is uh, you know, definitely reasonable, and I think that's a, a good pick. 
I think that the issue that a lot of Braves fans have is that we all remember him from his Washington National days where he was just a putrid hitter. I mean, the guy has a career 290, 298 on base percentage. So if you're looking at career numbers, the numbers aren't going to be there. But this season, I mean, we're not going to discount it. I mean, the guy is, I mean, he's 31, so he's on the wrong side of 30. But I mean, he's, he's putting together a solid season, man. I think, I really think that adding him to this team would be a great addition. Also, Ramon Liriano, I, I have to say about Ramon Liriano, his throw that he made a couple years back, catching the ball in center field and just gunning somebody at first. As soon as I see his name in like trade rumors, I'm like, okay, this might be a guy I want on my team. Like he just seems like oh the entertainment gosh, yeah. aspect of it. Especially when you get when you're down a guy like Duvall in the outfield. You know, I mean you're looking at a team with Duvall, Michael Harrison, Acuna, who've have got, you know, rocket launchers attached to their shoulders in the outfield, making crazy plays. I mean, Duvall was what, like I mean, MLB had him as like a top ten center fielder to start the year. Yeah. And, you know, <laughs> I mean, dude's probably a top three defensive left fielder in baseball. You could argue he's the best. So losing him, you know, somebody like that is definitely exciting, especially to get that cannon. Nice man. Uh, I will say this: Can I uh actually jump you and take this fourth spot, Eric? Right because I feel like we're gonna have a lot of debate going on. Because uh, my fourth might be a little bit questionable for you. Okay, so at four. I have former Braves legend, the pearl wearer himself, Mr. We Are Those MFers, Jock Peterson. Let's go. So the reason I have Jock so low at four, and the main reason is because the platoon aspect. I'm going to go ahead and say that. The platoon aspect of adding another lefty to go with a lefty and Eddie Rosario doesn't make much sense to me. Now, Jock is obviously a character, and his his clubhouse presence is just insane. Like you don't, you can't just like you can't just get that from anybody. Um, but my one thing I'm nervous about with Jock is Jock has been has had a great season all around. The counting stats look good, but if we look at the past 48 at bats for him, the dude has two extra base hits, a 196 on base percentage, and a 125 slugging. Like, I, I'm, I'm a little nervous that what we saw early in the season might have been a little bit of a fluke. And that's completely understandable. And, and you know, like I said a minute ago, I mean, you, you see a guy whose batting average has dropped down to the 240s from where he was, you know, up near 300, getting all-star game remarks. And obviously he made the all-star team, but he's also a fan favorite. It's a fan event. So a guy like that, not too not too much of a surprise. But, I mean, your concern is, is definitely uh, – well noted there and i definitely think you there's there's a good reason for it i mean i if, if i didn't think he would if i didn't think he was wasn't valuable like i i wouldn't have added him on here i think there's definitely definitely value in adding jock just just the personality alone i mean we saw what it did last year to the braves i feel like that really put the braves on the next level as soon as we acquired jock i mean you'd lose a guy like Acuna and you bring a guy like jock in i mean that doesn't really get much better on the personality standpoint. So uh, that aspect of things are, is great. And one thing about Eddie, I will give Eddie this. You look at Eddie's career splits. Eddie is a very even hitter when it comes to hitting against lefties and righties. Eddie, I mean, people dog on Eddie, and I know he's not having the best year, but Eddie's a career 275, 280 hitter against both the left and right sides. So, I mean, he's he's a legitimate hitter that this Braves lineup needs. Right. Dude's literally got a brand new eyeball. <laughs> exactly. I mean, Dude went to the doctor and doctor, you know, Eddie started the year. He's batting like 0.077 and everyone was like, what is going on with Eddie Rosario? You know, we, we passed on Ore, we passed on Jock, we brought Eddie back and Eddie can't do anything. I remember you and I were watching the like first series of the year and Eddie just standing there looking up, catching a fly ball, ball lands five feet to his right. And we're like, <laughs> um, what is going on? I mean, come on, dude literally had a hole in his eyeball. I mean, come on, dude. He, 
He's back now. He's playing a lot better. So I, I think we need to chill out a little bit on Eddie Rosario. I think he'll regress to the mean, as as you could say, and, and he'll come back and be a solid hitter for you. And we've already seen. I mean, he's he, he's been heating up a little bit. Man, he's been he's been stinging the ball for sure, man. He's he's been oh, putting yeah. together a lot of good at bats. He had a couple good at bats against the lefty the other day. I was really inspired by. Uh, I don't <laughs> think that we were expecting Gold Glove Eddie that played in the playoffs last year making like running catches at the warning track, but. What we saw early in the year, we knew something was wrong with him. He's not like he's not that bad. Like Eddie's never been that bad. He's not an amazing defender, but that was something was obviously up with him. Yeah, he might not be the best defender in the world, but you're you're looking at a guy who's splitting reps with Marcelo Zuna. I mean, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I mean, there's not really anything else I need to say about that. Yeah, Marcelo Zuna. And we saw a little bit of wild Bill Contreras on left. That was a that was an adventure on its own. I know that was, man. They they talked about that. They, I remember the rumors Wild Bill's going to play second. <laughs> like, we were playing uh, him everywhere in spring training. <laughs> what? All right, Kenny, what you got it for, man? Let's let's go ahead and drop down the list a little bit. So my number four was Andrew Benatendi. Um, obviously, spoken for, he's a yank now. Um, lefty batter. Dude's having a crazy year right now. I mean, he's hitting over 300. I think his batting average is like 316, 317 right now. He does not strike out a lot, which is, you know, you'll kind of see has been is a trend on my list of targets. We're just a team. We live by the long ball, die by the long ball, and unfortunately suffer. You know, we got a little bit of the strikeout bug on the team. It's just something that we deal with. But when you got guys that are out there mashing 450 foot taters every single game, um, you just kind of kind of live with it. So you look at a guy like Andrew Benatendi. He's got a 13.7 K rate. Uh, he he's got an uh, upwards of 800 OPS. Um, he's another guy that's a free agent at the end of the year, but he's an on-base machine and um, you know, really would have been a good fit for this team. And, um, you know, it's pretty scary that the Yankees went out there and got him. Yeah, man. Ben Attendee in that Yankees lineup is going to be terrifying, man. You add a guy like that in a lineup with so much thump, it just changes the lineup so much, man. You get, you have somebody out there that will get on base almost all the time for all their big boppers. The RBI number is going to go up, the runs are going to go up, and that's a team that doesn't even need the runs to go up. For sure, and that's kind of something you look at with a lot of these a lot of these guys. People are hating on them, saying, "Oh, look at the RBIs; they're not driving any runs." Well, I mean, come on, guys, let's think about where they're from, the team that they're on. Uh, you know, unfortunately, Kansas City Royals, Ben Attendee, um, it doesn't matter. He's out there batting three twenty, smacking the ball all over the yard. If there's nobody on base, he's not going to drive anybody in. I feel like this is a really good time too to mention that uh, the Yankees also went out and got Frankie Montes and Lou Trevino. It's a little little yes. starting rotation depth and bullpen depth to uh two definitely quali- quality guys. I mean, I know Frankie Montes was a lot of people's number two or three in this trade deadline rumors with, and that that's that's if you consider Carlos Rodon to be out there. But I mean, a lot of people had Frankie Montes right behind Luis Castillo. So I mean, that's a that's a definitely a notable thing. Yeah, I mean, there's another guy, man. I mean, a guy like that is obviously just a stud. He's gonna come out there. He's gonna deal every single every single appearance for you. Um, his bad days are good days for most pitchers, and you yeah. put him on a team that I think the scary thing with the Yankees is they really didn't give up anything for him. No, no, nothing, nothing at the major league level. Any team like that that can just give up stuff, mostly at a minor league level, and acquire major league talent that's already making a deep playoff or planning to make a deep playoff push, it's it. The depth definitely comes in clutch at that point. Like you have a lot of value in the depth. Hundred percent. Well, what about you? What uh, who's who's next on your list? All right, so we got down to three. So my three is going to be pretty interesting. So at three, I have two guys that are that they're not similar type of players, but they fit a similar role to me, and that is Kike Hernandez and Whit Merrifield. 
I like Wit a lot. Uh, Wit was a borderline guy on my list. I did not include him for a, a guy I'll mention here in a second, but um, I like those two a lot. So the reason that I included them, they're both having down years, but they're both proven veterans. They both had you know great great seasons in the past. I do like Wit more than I like Kike. I feel like Kike's playoff experience though definitely outweighs Wit's. Like Kike has been there, Kike sure. has done that, and he's he's a big time guy. My main reason I picked these two guys is because uh. The, pos the position versatility, I mean, they have. I mean, you could play them at second until Ozzy gets back and then throw them in left field when he gets back. Like, these guys can play all around the diamond, and that's always good to have. Oh, yeah, especially on a team like us, man. We're, we're loaded in the outfield. Um, we've got, you know, uh, Travis Darno and, and Wild Bill Contreras back there behind the plate. And, you know, the infield, I mean, you look at Austin Riley. We've already hit on him. But you look at Dansby, another guy that could be mentioned in the MVP conversation. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Matt Olson, who's out there just absolutely raking the ball all over the place and playing amazing baseball right now. So um, the second base, especially with Ozzy out, is, is a, definitely a point of interest for us. And, um, you know, anybody that can come out there and give you that versatility around the yard is, is a big benefit. So that's, uh, that's a good point there. I think that uh, what we see at this deadline tomorrow, or today when you're listening, whenever, whenever time you people are listening, uh, I feel like that's going to give us good implications on what's going on with Ozzy because they've been kind of dodging the bullet a little bit when it comes to Ozzy. Kind of giving us a little bit of information here and there saying, oh, we might see him in September and whatnot, but it's still not really a sure thing. I mean, the guy's gonna, the guy has surgery on his foot. Like, how long is the rehab going to take? There's a lot of different aspects into it. So if we go out and make a move to acquire a, you know, a quality second baseman, then... You know, it might make you think, is Ozzy really going to be ready to come back playoff time? Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely a big question. I mean, the, the thing with, with Ozzy is it, it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a genetic freak. You can be a you know run-of-the-mill guy. Foot injuries are scary. Um, we've seen in the past, I mean, you're you're talking to two local boys who have been diehard Falcons fans, and we've seen Julio get the foot bug for the past decade. So, Facts. That is um, true. It's just something that, that it's hard to overcome, you know, when you have a serious injury like he did. And it was kind of a funky injury where, you know, it wasn't really any contact. It was, you know, sprinting out of the batter's box. It almost seems like he had a little bit of a lingering issue going on. He started off the year red hot, was leading the league in home runs for a little bit, and then just really fell off and wasn't really the Aussie that we were accustomed to. And I think you can really attribute a lot of that to the foot situation and um, – I think they're just playing it safe with him. I mean, he's going to come back. You're you're looking at a team right now. We're we're three games behind the Mets right now. We're you know, in my opinion, going to win the. We're going to win the NL East. Um, or, 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 it might be decided later on, and, and you know, we've got a big series against the Mets coming up. But it, you know, we've we've got a, a big series against the Mets right at the end of the year when it's getting down to crunch time. So, I, I think it's safe to say that the Braves are, are are being a little cautious with him. And you know, while we're still, it's not like we're out here dropping game after game after game running out of contention i mean so i, I think we're gonna be okay but yeah it's definitely a, a lingering issue man i could talk all day about the ozzy albius situation i think we can but i'm, I'm gonna i'm gonna save that for a later podcast yeah. let, let it get a little bit farther down the line for i debate on ozzy a little bit too much uh let's go ahead and get your number three what you got kenny all right so number three on my list um he's kind of a guy that's been mentioned a lot here recently i'm a big fan um brandon drury brandon drury former brave farmhand legend yeah, I mean, righty, you talk about a guy that matches lefties, that goes back to the original sentiment that, that Snit and, and AA were echoing back weeks ago, you know, before the Duval injury. Um, or not before the Duval injury, but after the Duval injury. Um, I mean, this guy, man, he, he's he's playing crazy right now. I mean, there's been a lot of stuff saying that is he going to get traded, is he not going to get traded, he's a guy that could kind of build the franchise around. I agree with it, um, but an organization like that, they're – 
you got to think that they're trying, they're looking to make some moves, looking for the future. They just don't really have much going for them right now. But Brandon Drury, like I said, right-handed batter, matches lefties. He's batting 270 this year with 17 bombs. He's got an 860 OPS, which is insane. Um, the thing about Brandon Drury that I'm super high on is just this season, the man has played all four infield positions. Um, and he's a great outfielder. I mean, his his K rate's twenty one and a half, so that's still going to come in at the at the plus side uh, as far as the Braves team goes, and that's just kind of what you hit a minute ago with Kike and Witt. This guy can play all around the yard. He's going to give you an amazing bat. He's going to hit for power. He's going to hit for average. I mean, eight sixty OPS. That kind of speaks for itself. So Brandon Drury is a guy I'm super high on, and I'm, I'm looking to to see a team try and make a run at him. Oh, yeah, and it seems like it was almost destined to happen, man. You look at his numbers last year. He had a 47.5% hard hit percentage and an 89.7 exit velocity. I mean, this year, the numbers are down compared to last year. Like, this, is, this isn't this is nothing that seems like too out of the ordinary. The guy, I mean, the home run numbers, don't he only played 84. He only had 84 at-bats. So, the numbers aren't there. I mean, the dude, the dude played good in limited time last year. Like, I, I feel like Brandon Drury... He's 29, he's about to turn 30, but I feel like we're getting to the point where, you know, he might be a late bloomer. I mean, the guy's just straight up, he's just hitting the ball. I mean, he's putting it's together like a really great season. It's kind of that Dansby, that, that Dansby area you talked about. I know Dansby's, you know, a little bit younger than that, but, you know, Dansby's a guy that came in from the very beginning and was super highly touted and everybody wanted him and number, number one overall pick. You know, we were super high on Dansby. Dansby's the next big thing. And, and you know, showed some flashes here and there. He's a pretty streaky guy and, um, this year has just came into himself. And I think you might see that same thing with Brandon Drury, 29 years old. He's kind of at that phase of, are you going to try and build a franchise around him? Are you trying to get rid of him, get some prospects, work on the younger guys a little bit? So, hey, he's an interesting um, an interesting trade piece that could really affect uh, this uh, World Series run for a lot of teams. Oh, yeah, and he's uh, he's not making much money this year, which is positive. He is a free agent at year's, year's end, I believe. Uh, also, it see, I see the Mariners and the Dodgers are also in on him, which are two, like, you know, top tier playoff teams right now looking really good as the Mariners you know they got Luis Castillo they're adding to the team so I mean if you get the Braves for the Braves to get him it wouldn't only help the Braves but I mean you keep him out the other playoff team's hands which is always nice absolutely I think I'm looking for the Mariners to make a pretty strong run at him um so look out for that yeah uh so we're at number two right yep number two all right so you want to go first you want me to go at it it doesn't matter uh, you want watch you go ahead Okay, so my number two, this is this is where I reached, okay? I had a little fun with this one, and, and okay. I was trying to be realistic with something I could see AA do. Um, my number two yeah. is Noah Syndergaard. So, the main reason I picked Noah Syndergaard, this season, Noah Syndergaard is 5-8 and eight with a 3.83 ERA, 80 innings. He has a, he has 64 strikeouts with a 1.213 whip. The reason I am looking at him is because with how the Angels are rolling right now, and how they're going to be wanting to deal money. I really think that you can get a guy like Cindergard for a guy like Elder. You send a guy like Elder to bring in a guy like Cindergard. I mean, why not? I mean, you add so much major league talent. And the guy is coming off a serious injury. Like, I mean, you get him in Atlanta. I think, how long is Cindergard signed for? Do you know? No, I'll pull it up right now, though, while you're talking. Okay, so Cindergard, um... He has a 2.5 walk per nine, which is one of the main things that caught my eye. Because a 2.5 walk per nine is, it's around the same, like, category as Kyle Wright. And I feel like Kyle Wright's been pretty good at limiting walks. Like, I don't feel like that's a terrible number. Um, also, I look at him as somebody that 
is insurance for the rotation. And if you get to playoff time, you you can throw him in your bullpen. Like, Syndergaard would be an electric guy to have coming out the pen. Absolutely. And um, a little bit of a shock here. Uh, Noah Syndergaard very quietly signed a one-year, $21 million deal with the Angels. <laughs> one year. T- for some reason, I thought he had a multi-year deal. Okay, I remember that now that you're I mentioning it. Too. I thought I he had a multi-year too. deal. Okay, so he's he's a he's a pending free agent. So I mean, that really that's honestly kind of where the Braves want to go right here. Like, I feel like the Braves are a team sure. that wants to go after like a guy like Noah Syndergaard. If he has two or three years of team control that cost fifteen, seventeen million, twenty one million dollars, that's not a guy that we really want. But I mean, at one year we have the money to spend. Why not go out and try to get him? I agree, and especially when you're looking at our starting rotation and and potential starting rotation for years to come with guys like Kyle Muller. I mean, Kyle Muller's been rumored to you know come up to the big leagues this year i know we had the whole ian anderson fiasco and he went out there and dealt the other day so um you know center guard on a one-year deal you know it's definitely something that um you know definitely could be a potential deal um i could definitely see the braves making a run for a guy like that and like you said you know stick him in the bullpen have him come out there um he's not really somebody that is going to change uh, your perspective on him the fact that he's not on a multi-year deal because especially for a team like the braves we're not really too worried in my opinion about the starting rotation for years to come no not at all i think i feel like what we're gonna try to target more than anything is just somebody that can come in and fill in if an injury happens like i mean the problem with the braves is the rotation looks great besides anderson anderson's been a little bit shaky but he's had his ups and downs for sure uh but if somebody was to go down right now we don't have really another proven option we've already been down the tucker davidson roller coaster we've already been down the bryce elder roller coaster kyle muller has shown flashes but still we don't even know if he's ready and he just broke his hand in triple a in batting practice so i don't really know where that situation is going to go if somebody like a strider or kyle wright goes down yeah it was a non-throwing hand but still i mean that's a that's something that's a little uh a little sketchy they're working they're working on a splint right now, I heard. They're working on a splint to get him back ready to go. So hopefully so hopefully he'll be able to pitch with it. <laughs> yeah, look, uh, Kyle Muller, we got super high hopes for him, man. Brace fans love him and um, you know, hope hope to see him in the organization for years to come. Oh yeah, for sure. The one one scare that I have though is he's a he's a workout monster, man. I, I've seen some of his stuff online. The dude the dude puts in work in the gym. He's a big guy, and I'm a little bit nervous that him having the broken hand, even if he can pitch with it, it might it might kind of throw up his workout routine a little bit. Like I know some guys have like the routines they go before pitching. I don't know if that's a part of his or like his off days and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, look, you you talk about work ethic. Uh, we can talk about that all you want to. You got a guys out here like pete alonzo who's uh doing deadlifts before the uh home run derby in full uniform and cleats <laughs> um, acting like it was game seven of the world series that was the most serious moment of pete alonzo's life what a goofball dude what a goofball i mean obviously we hate the mets around here we're braves fans die hard but come on man i mean was it funny? Sure. But I don't think it was intended to be funny. I think the dude was dead serious. I mean, he's meditating. He's sitting there with his headphones in. And you got Julio Rodriguez out there mashing all over the yard and hanging out with the with the other players, cutting up, having a good time. And you see Pete Alonso over there. I mean, dude's got a hex bar deadlifting like 135, wearing full uniform and cleats in the weight room. Like, what is going on? The look on his face after he knew he was eliminated in that home run was one of the oh. greatest things I've ever seen. He looked he looked like they legit just lost Game 7 of the World Series in walk-off fashion, walk-off wild pitch in Game 7. Yeah, the take, think about that and then think about what his face is going to look like after they blow the division lead to the Braves. That is, that, is, that is very true. That is very true. Kenny, let's go ahead and hop into your number two, sir. What you got? So my number two... Um... 
realistically is my number one. Uh, I had Jock at my number one because I'm super biased Braves fan, and I love him and would love to see him back in a Braves uni. I feel like, um, I feel like we might go similar routes at two and one for me. I'll be honest with uh, you. I feel like I know where you're going. Yeah, I've got Ian Happ here. <laughs> we can do a breakdown uh, together. I'll go ahead and say that as my number one. So, uh, yeah, go ahead go ahead and give me your breakdown. I'll throw a little, little notes after you get done. I'll give you my top talking points here. Um, Ian Happ is a guy who is a known stud. I mean, he's a guy that a lot of teams are super high on. Is probably going to be super. Um, he's going to be super popular, especially. Yeah, I think you'll see over the next twelve hours. Uh, there's going to be a lot of teams making a run at him. I mean, you're just talking about a guy who is getting better every year and significantly better. I mean, you're talking about a guy right now that's batting two eighty, eight bombs, um, eight hundred OPS. You talk about improvement and getting better year after year. Dude's strikeout rate went from 29% to 20% year to year. I mean, he's smacking the ball all around the place. He's getting on base. He's a switch hitter. He plays every position on the field. You can probably stick him at catcher if you wanted to. You can probably throw 92 off the mound. I don't know. Um, the thing about Ian Happ that I really like is he's got two years of team control left. So uh, he's a guy that if we went after him, um, you know, we could we could have him for a little bit and, and really kind of fill out that outfield role and figure out what we're going to do with uh, with Ozuna in the future. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know, Ozuna, he still has a couple of years left in the deal. He's, he's taking a lot of money. I know I'm pretty sure the Braves will try to work something out to get him out of here. I don't think that we'll be able to make that move without having to eat some of that fat contract. But uh, I definitely think that he would be a good placeholder until we find the future spot in the outfield. It could be uh, <clears throat> Mr. Von Grissom, hopefully. We'll see if he if he moves away from shortstop. If, like, left field's a very common position. If you want to move a guy off, off of short, you can just throw him out there on the left and see what he can do, especially with his athleticism. And I wanted to bring up Von Grissom because I know a couple of weeks ago we had the same conversation about our guys. And I told you, I was like, I like Ian Happ. I think he's a good player, but I'm scared to give up Vaughn. So after thinking about it and seeing the Benintendi deal, it made me believe that we might be able to get a guy like Ian Happ without giving up a guy like Von Grissom. So I put Ian Happ at my number one. Ian Happ is batting 279, 360 on base percentage with a 436 slugging, 796 uh, OPS. I think you already covered all those, but I'll go ahead and throw them out there again. Um, my favorite thing about Ian Happ is his splits. So this year against lefties, Ian Happ has 92 plate appearances. He's batting 345, 402 with 500 uh, OPS, or a 500 slugging. That adds up to a 902 OPS. Cool. So his numbers against lefties are absolutely insane. If you want to find the guy that can platoon with Eddie, not even platoon, if Ian Happ comes to the brace, he's the everyday starter, right? It gotta be. But I mean, if you if you wanted to throw Eddie in there every once in a while to bat against left like righties, like that is the perfect guy to throw in there with Eddie. Like I mean, he's he's like the perfect guy. Also, nothing about Ian Happ. He has played a little bit of second base, like you mentioned. So I mean, as of right now, you look at it. Would you rather? So this I'm I'm gonna change this question over a little bit, and uh, I'm gonna ask you. Playoff time starts pushing up. Would you rather? start Orlando Arcia at second base in the playoffs or Eddie Rosario in left field in the playoffs? What what, what would our uh, what would our other options be for, you know, vice versa situation? So if vice versa, left, who's at second? Vice versa. We'll just use Ian Happ. Ian Happ, Ian Happ is the vice versa. Would you rather basically it's just the Orlando Arcia or Eddie Rosario question? Okay, well if that's the question then get Orlando Arcia out of my face. 
I will 100% agree that is the main reason I was asking the question. That's come I think the position versatility is so important. I mean, you get guys that can come in and play second. Like, you're comfortable if Eddie has to start every single game for the rest of the year. I, me as a Braves fan, I'm fine with it. Like, I am comfortable. I think he is... I think Eddie Rosario on a normal day where we get normal Eddie Rosario is at least a league average hitter. Like, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, I think he's a positive war guy. Okay, so... What do we want to get into next? You want to cover a couple cover a couple of these uh, other MLB moves that happened today? I know you have a pretty yeah. funny one you want to cover with Christian Vasquez. So I'll let, I'll go ahead and let you cover that one first. I'll get my I'll get my notes ready. Yeah, so the Christian Vasquez situation just cracked me up because I'm literally sitting there watching TV and uh, all the stuff's going down, you know, and I'm watching Christian Vasquez warm up with the Red Sox to play the Astros, and dude literally walks to the dugout from the field and is hounded by reporters asking him, how does he feel to be traded to the Houston Astros? And <laughs> how does he feel about playing in this stadium? And it just looked like he was a deer in the headlights, dude. I mean, it, he may have known that he had been traded two minutes before that. So, I mean, you talk about a crazy situation in general. I mean, that is just about the crazy situation you could get. And then you want to talk about the stigma of the Houston Astros, the whole cheating scandal, the whole sign stealing buzzer situation. This just doesn't make it look any better from a from a fan perspective. I mean, you got a guy like Christian Vasquez who plays catcher, who knows the team better than anybody. He's the quarterback of the fo- of the baseball team. And you're talking about trading him to the team you're currently playing. I mean, dude's going to go into a team meeting and have the perfect game plan about how to go against any of those Red Sox hitters. I mean, it's just crazy to me. Um, I mean, crazy situation in general. Uh, I like Christian Vasquez. I think he's a good player. But, uh, man, that's just a that is that's a crazy deal. Yeah, it definitely is crazy. And I'm not going to say that I thought Christian Vasquez is the catcher that the Astros were going to go out and get. I was almost, it, to me, it was almost a lot that William Contreras was, or William, right? Yeah, but now Wilson, Wilson, Wilson Contreras is going to be a Houston Astro, at least by the end of the trade deadline. But uh, I will say that uh, Christian Vasquez is a really good pickup for him. I remember in the World Series, we were playing the Astros, and they ran out Martin Maldonado every day, and it was... uh. He was kind of like a black hole in their lineup. So you had a guy like Vasquez in there, man. He's 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 going to be a big help for the Astros. For sure. Maldonado's in the lineup tonight. They uh, actually, while the trade was going down, I'm looking, scrolling through Twitter, reading all about it, seeing J.D. Martinez comment on it, talking about the whole, he knows how to game plan against us, blah, blah, blah. And then I'm watching Maldonado warm up on the field before the game. And I'm like, man, this is this is crazy. I guess they're going to let Vasquez be, be a coach on the bench tonight. Let him get a day off. <laughs> I guess so. Is there like a turnaround time for when you get traded? I mean, I, I personally don't know of a situation to where a guy's literally gotten traded while on the field against the team he got traded to. Like, is there any way? I mean, there's no way they have a jersey for him. But is there any way they throw that guy into the lineup right then? Or is that even possible? I could be wrong. And uh, if, if I'm wrong, it's it's just a little bit different circumstances. But I do know that a couple years back, the Braves made a trade for Juan Uribe while Ron Uribe was on the Dodgers and they were playing at a series in Atlanta. And I can't remember quite vague. I can, I can barely remember. Uh, I think it might've been in between a double header. So I think he played his first game with the Dodgers and then came to the Braves and played the second game. I could be completely wrong, but if that didn't happen, if that didn't happen, he played on Saturday with the Dodgers and played on Sunday with the Braves. I know it was a weekend series at some point. It's a couple of years back now. So that's crazy. It's a good point. I do remember that. Um, 
my move, I have a couple moves written down, but I think the first one I want to talk about, I think I want to talk about uh, the Brewers trading Josh Hader to the Padres. Uh, the Padres received, um, hold up, I'm sorry. The Padres received Josh Hader. The Brewers received Taylor Rogers, Denelson Lamette, Robert Gasser, and I'm sorry about the pronunciation, but Estiri Ruiz, I believe I might have got that right. Um, as we know, Hader's a closer. Taylor Rogers is a closer. Uh, Denelson Lament is an interesting starter who has struggled in the major leagues this year, but he's put up great numbers in AAA, and the other two guys are just prospects. Hader, on the other hand, Hader is having a career-worst year. Hader has a 4.24 ERA on the season. has gotten shelled in the past couple outings. So I'm interested – I'm really interested to why the Brewers made that deal for more pitching help because I feel like <laughs> – playing the Brewers the past like three years in the playoffs I feel like pitching is what they're always good at and they never have any bats in that lineup there's a crazy stat for you Josh Hader leads the league in saves with 29 Taylor Rogers is second with 28 okay so he's got the top two and I believe that they've both gotten shelled the past couple weeks yeah Taylor Rogers another guy 4.3 RA he's one and he's one in five you know 1.11 whip um but still 28 saves I mean dude's a, he's a noted stud so Felt like a funny trade to me. Obviously, haters hater, so I think he's gonna be. Uh, I think he's gonna be a guy, and I think he'll turn it around. He's gotten shelled here lately, but you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna try and throw that out the window the best I can and say that he'll get back to to Josh Hader. Definitely, Josh Hader, man. You watch him on the mound when he's on. There's not a pitcher like him. He is he is like the reliever version of Jacob Degrom. When you're when Jacob Degrom is on and Josh Hader is on, there's nobody hits them. It's just that's just how baseball works. Yeah, unless uh, unless Degrom's facing Drew Waters, or unless uh. Josh Hader's facing Freddie Freeman in the NLDS. Yeah, get some, Josh. <laughs> um, Yeah, going on to the next move, uh, we had Trey Mancini also going to the Houston Astros. That's a pretty interesting one to see. It was sad, man. He was super emotional about it. He was choking up when they were asking him. He said he was super hesitant. He, he didn't want to go get in the shower and, and get changed and, and get ready to leave because he knew it was going to be his last time in the locker room. I mean, you look at a guy like Trey Mancini, everything he's been through, um, you know, he's, he's been a lot to that organization, and I can't imagine uh, what that must be like for him, what that must be for the fan base. But obviously, um, you know, the Orioles have been in a tough spot for a while. I know they've seen some uh, some upside here lately, but uh, yeah, that's a, that's a crazy move. Definitely. Uh, I'm going to do one more baseball thing before I let you get into football to end the podcast. Uh, Brett Phillips, everybody's mm. favorite player, got DFA today. So uh, that's an interesting yeah. thing to put him out there on the market. We'll see what fan base gets to handle Brett Phillips for the next half year and enjoy him. Because honestly, if the Braves made that move, I would not be upset. Yeah, I mean, future Brave Brett Phillips is is <laughs> going to be a legend. Um, obviously, the the whole thing with him and that that um, I I don't even want to guess because I do not know the situation. But you see the thing on ESPN all the time with him and the, and the little girl who was battling some kind of sickness or disease, whatever it was. Then he goes out there and you know she says you're gonna. You're going to win the game. You're going to walk it off and goes out there and, and walks it off and gets emotional after she signs the softball for him. I mean, dude is uh, definitely a below average player, but man, does he uh, does he mean a lot for a team, for an organization? He's definitely a morale booster. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he's also a dominant reliever pass, like part-time, for sure. He comes out there and just throws gas. The 63-mile-per-hour fastballs he throws up there are very intimidating. Yeah, he's the Anthony Rizzo type. <laughs> All right, Kenny, we got a little bit of time left, man. Uh, is there any football or anything you want to cover? 
Yeah, let's dive into it, man. Uh, there's a couple things I wanted to hit on before we get out of here. Um, a couple things, uh, and you mentioned it earlier with the Falcons. So I, why don't you know? We'll we'll get into some Falcons talk. Let's let's let you get into it, and uh, you kind of give us some insight on uh, on the defensive situation. Oh, we're gonna go with Mr. Dean Pease, defensive coordinator, Madman Dean. Madman Dean had a mean WWE style uh, press conference the other day. It was actually very entertaining. <laughs> basically you can, you can look it up you can look it up it's all over twitter it's all over any social media but uh basically dean peace said he is tired of the notion that the falcons are a bottom tier defense and he says i believe i don't want to quote him but i believe he says that he compared it to calling a child stupid and said you don't call a child stupid basically by people coming out and saying the falcons are a bottom 10 defense that the players believe it after you say it so much <laughs> So. so you don't call a child stupid because the kids will start to believe it after a while. And that's the same thing that's happened with the Falcons, which, you know, Dean, you know, you do you, man. We appreciate it. I personally, as a diehard Falcons fan, think that uh, you know, people have been saying that the defense is bad because it is. It, it is bad. Uh, Casey Hayward is going to be a bright spot, I feel like. Isaiah Oliver played great ball last year before he got hurt. But I, I don't know if that's going to push us into the top gear in defense, those two guys joining the squad. Yeah, I mean, he even went as far to say that the Falcons' defense this year is going to be comparable to the Ravens and the Patriots. So, <laughs> prove me wrong, Dean. I, I would be so – I am rooting for you, Dean. If Dean proves Absolutely. us wrong, I would be ecstatic. I will admit my wrong, and I will just, you know, just let it all go. I will be the happiest person on the planet if the Falcons somehow run on a top 15 defense in the NFL. Oh, I think top 10, he said. He did say top 10. I think that might be a little bit of reach. I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and just roll with top 15. I will still say thank you. Even the top 20, I might still think about it. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, Dean. I'll, I'm buying stock in Dean. <laughs> yeah, that was, that, was my only, uh, that was my only football rant I have for the night. I know you have a couple things. I'll let you, I'll let you dive into, into a little yeah. Troy Anderson talker, whatever you want to get yeah. into. So there's a couple of things I wanted to dive into. Um, you had Troy Anderson come out there today talking about the defense. I don't know if anyone saw it. Uh, Falcons fans may have through Twitter, and uh, I don't know if they aired it on TV. You know, Falcons don't get too much screen time. But uh, basically, the Falcons got pretty heated today. There was a scrap that broke out at practice, and um, fans kind of went crazy watching it. And there was a lot of things being said. But Troy Anderson was in an interview after camp today uh, talking about how he thinks it's a good thing. You know, you just had really competitive action between the offense and the defense teams getting together or players getting together, scrapping. He thinks it's, he thinks it's going to be good for the team, which I agree. I mean, as a, as a, a guy that played football for, for years and years, um, you know, you get into a scrap with a teammate or with, you know, offense versus defense running ones and twos or even best on best. Like that's going to happen from time to time. Tippers are going to rise. Um, so, you know, honestly, don't hate to see it as a Falcons fan. It's good to see some kind of emotion out there because it's been kind of lackluster for the Falcons in general, especially as a fan. So I'd like to see that. Another thing I wanted to touch base on, too, um, the Falcons, we've been through the ringer um, as far as the offensive line has been um, for the past few years. You saw the fall off with Matt Ryan. Obviously, he's a Colt now. You know, props to him. Go Colts. You know, I'm pulling for him this year. I'm not one of those guys that's going to say, oh, you're not a Falcon, so you're dead to me. Um, easily the greatest Falcon of all time. Uh, the greatest quarterback in Falcons history. He's a legend. He's been there ever since we were kids. Um, and, and the guy really suffered from a poor offensive line. So you look at guys like Jake, Jake Matthews, who's a who's a noted starter. He's a quality guy. I, I like him at left tackle. Um, but the weak spots for us are – 
the right tackle, the center, and the left guard. Um, you know, we, we've we kind of been struggling to fill those holes. You get a guy like Caleb McGarry, Jalen Mayfield, who just really haven't panned out. Um, but something that I thought was pretty interesting, and I don't know if the average football fan would notice, uh, Pro Football Focus, I believe, actually had Chris Lindstrom listed as the number six ranked guard in the NFL. Um, I think that's pretty cool. I mean, you're talking about a guy who's – fifth year option we did pick up so he's definitely uh you know he's he's in the future plans for the falcons and um you know i love to see it so that's something that that i wouldn't have expected and something that i didn't know even as a as an avid fan oh yeah man the boston college graduate he was definitely the the best first round pick we had in that draft alongside caleb mccary so uh (laughs) you know falcons legend uh i've seen a couple reports come out of training camp saying that we have some pretty good position battles going on too on the offensive line uh drew dahlman i've seen has gotten a, a couple starting reps with the number ones and also uh Elijah Wilkinson, he shows up as a left tackle on the depth chart, but I have heard that Elijah Wilkerson has been pushing Jalen Mayfield for that starting left guard spot. Yeah, Wilkinson's a guy that a lot of people have been super high on uh, within the organization. A lot of coaches have been high on him, um, and, and, you know, glad to see it. You also got a guy that not a lot of people are talking about, uh, Tyler Vrabel, coming in there. Obviously, coach's son, Mike Vrabel, he's a stud. Um you know, I don't know about him too much as a player, but what I do know is he got that dog in him. Got that dog just like his daddy. Uh, just like his daddy. I see a couple guys on the depth chart. You know, we have we have the Justin Schaefers of the world. I don't I, – I, I'm a Georgia fan, so part of me loves Justin Schaefer. But then again, I look at their play style. Look how, like, raw they are. And he's – to me, he's a Jalen Mayfield 2.0. I mean, he's just – he's a big-body guy that lacks technique. And I don't know if that's something that the Falcons really need. Yeah, I mean, Falcons fans, uh, we need to prepare ourselves for for you know a a, a rebuilding period. And you know, we last year kind of thought maybe we were going to start it off, maybe take a quarterback in that quarterback class of, of last year. You had a ton of studs come out. We ended up going with Kyle Pitts, and I think it gave us. Um, and and I, I'm not here to downplay the Falcons and say that the Falcons are dead by any means. I'm obviously a fan, but. I think it gave us a little bit of false hope. You know, Kyle Pitts, super happy that we got him. Dude's a stud. But I think it gave fans the um, the idea that we weren't in a real bit rebuilding stage and we were going to try and make a run. And we just didn't have the – we don't have the players. We, we didn't have the assets to make it happen. And, um, you know, we're kind of suffering from that a little bit now. So I think uh, I, I think we just need to kind of settle down a little bit and look at things from a realistic perspective and, and say, look, you know, we got we – got, Mariota at quarterback and uh yeah I, I think he's gonna be I think he's gonna be a solid solid guy for us uh, the, the big question is the quarterback room with uh, Desmond Ritter in there and uh you know I'm sure we'll get into some some deeper Falcons talk in future episodes and we'll kind of break down Ritter and, and and what that you know quarterback situation could look like in the future but um yeah I think uh, I you know I'm optimistic for the Falcons uh, I'm, I was a little bit questionable about Artie Smith um, but he's kind of won me over a little bit. Um, you know, Dean, obviously, he's the best defensive coordinator in the NFL. So, um, so uh, you know, we're, we're super happy with a guy like that. But I'm optimistic, man. I mean, I, do I think this is the year? No, I don't. And you ask a couple a couple buddies, a couple guys that we run with, and they'll tell you that Falcons are going to go uh, – Fal- Falcons are going to go make a wild card run and uh i just i I don't see it happening but man prove me wrong and i to be honest as a falcons fan i don't even i mean obviously you should always root for your team to be successful but it's not really the best thing for the falcons to make a wild card run this year like we obviously don't have the talent on the team to make a super push so a wild card run would kind of just mess you up in the offseason with the draft now 80 something or what is they said like like over 100 million in cap room this offseason that's whenever we'll actually see a little bit of you know progress going 
think so too. I think so too. And you know, like I said, we'll we'll dive into it in future podcasts a little bit. But you know, we're we're suffering a little bit from the come down from that whole Deshaun Watson situation and all the guys we thought we were going to see come in. So we're having to we're having to take a step back. We're having to look at it from a more realistic perspective and say, uh, you know, what's this team going to look like? And uh, it, it's going to be a slow burn. It, it is. But uh, teams have done it before, and and uh, you know, we're just we're we're next in line. Oh yeah, well, I feel like that. I feel like that was a damn good inaugural first podcast. I don't know if inaugural and first go together in the same sentence, but I'm gonna do it because we make our own rules here, right? This is our podcast, so we do what we yeah, want to. Look, we do what we want. We, we, you know, you're gonna come here, guys, and uh, you know, for any viewers that are tuning in that that are seeing what we got going on, uh, I can assure you that that we're gonna we're gonna be in here. We're gonna be talking about sports. We're avid sports fans, Jake and I. Um, our entire life, we eat, sleep, and breathe it from baseball to football to even basketball, man. Uh, and from a college level to a, to a pro level, we'll, we'll dive into a lot of things from a from a local perspective to a more you know nationwide perspective. We'll get into a little bit, but um, we're we're super excited for the future and, and what's to come. And you know, talking sports is just a a way of life for for people like us. So we're excited to to have a platform to get on here and, and talk about with you guys. Oh yeah, and I hope you guys enjoyed. Uh, you know, you can find us on Twitter at Peach State Pod. Uh, I couldn't get Peach State uh tailgate on there too long for a Twitter handle, so Peach State Pod. You can find us on Twitter. We'll keep y'all updated with all the times we're gonna plan on doing podcasts and stuff. And uh, like Kenny said, I hope you guys enjoyed. And I, you know, all the all the support, any support is always great. And uh, you know, it was it was it was a fun time. I can't, I look forward to doing this again with you, Kenny. Absolutely, man. I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys. Until next time. See y'all later.